Whether you're a polyamateur or polyambitious, polyambiguous or polyam, I really hold your head high. Let your freaky flag fly, cause your polyamory should be uncensored. Hi there, and welcome to Polyamory Uncensored, a podcast where we, your hosts, Lindsay Miller and Katie Williams, interview a poly person each episode, and we try to answer the five points of journalism. Who, what, when, where, and why, as it pertains to our poly lives. Hello, and welcome to episode 92 of Polyamory Uncensored. This is going to be a special episode I'm titling... So you think you're polyamorous. Subtitle, basic knowledge and realistic expectations to begin your non-monogamous journey. My hope is that this episode can be a really good podcast to send to friends who are maybe interested in starting on their polyamorous journeys. The objective is to dispel some myths and answer some common questions about polyamory to determine if polyamory is a relationship structure that you are actually interested in or prepared to jump into and give you a clear and realistic expectation for your journey into polyamory. Hi there, my name is Lindsay Miller, and I've been an awkward polyamorist since 2007. I produce and co-host this bi-weekly podcast, Polyamory Uncensored, where we interview ethically non-monogamous folks on their polyamorous journeys. I also helped establish the Milwaukee Poly Group, a discussion and social meetup in 2009, and we have been meeting twice a month since. I'm also a sexual educator and the current assistant manager at the Toolshed and Erotic Boutique, a mission-driven feminist sex toy store in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Personally, I'm also an avid knitter, a mother, a burlesque dancer, and a huge geek. Let's get into it. All right, so uh, my main reason for creating this kind of class slash topic slash whatever is that a lot of folks entering into this world of polyamory make some very simple mistakes that they just could not foresee. The importance of this, and I'm just going to call it a class for the sake of this topic, uh, the importance of this class is to give those kind of folks basic knowledge and realistic expectations about polyamory to hopefully prevent a lot of toxic behaviors and tactics that really are rooted in, a, in basic misunderstanding. So common myths and frequently asked questions. Myth number one, polyamory and polygamy are the same thing. All right, so what is polyamory exactly? This is literally a question we ask in every single episode. And guess what? It's gotten a different answer every single episode. So if we're going to just talk about the basics here, polyamory is a combination of the Latin and Greek words poly meaning many or more and amory meaning love. So in the very strictest and simplest of definitions, polyamory just means many loves. Polygamy, on the other hand, means multiple marriages or multiple spouse, spice, you know, (laughs) however. (laughs) It's a term that it often refers to when speaking about certain religions. Usually in these situations, men get multiple wives and women, well, they don't really get a say in the matter, do they? It's not exactly very feminist, and I will and have and will always argue that polyamory, on the other hand, is inherently feminist. It's all about choice. It's all about liberation. Polyamory, on the other hand, is all about freedom. The community at large is very open and inclusive to many people and identities that a lot of religions might not be okay with. A lot of folks will respond to men coming out as polyamorous with this common saying like, two girlfriends, and though polyamory can have 
involve two women. That's not not a thing. Uh, it's so much more than just having two girlfriends. In my decade plus of hosting a polyamory, like social and support and discussion group, I have found that many of the relationships were actually opened up by women in the coupling and not the like oversexed men that you might assume. That's just not really something I see very often. Uh, sometimes it's because the woman in a heterosexual or bisexual slash heterosexual relationship wants to explore her sexuality, wants to explore with more people, want to explore with other people of the of uh, same or different genders of her. Uh, sometimes it's because the couple's libidos don't match and someone in that relationship has a high libido and someone has a low libido, has, someone has high sexual desire, someone has low sexual desire. And sometimes, you know, someone falls for a friend or a coworker or colleague and they just don't know what to do about it and they're exploring, right? No matter what way a person comes into polyamory, uh, it's a conscious discovery and and either choice or discovery about who they are inside. Monogamy is socially considered to be a default and like the quote-unquote correct way that someone should be. So people assume that they're choosing monogamy when really there isn't often a choice for a lot of people because they don't know that there are options. We're just not made aware of that. Almost all people who identify as polyamorous had to know the options, weigh the pros and cons, and come to discover that not only is polyamory right and the best thing for them, but maybe it's even a fundamental part of who who they are, part of their identity. It's not about a religious practice or something that people are forced into. It's an ethical and consensual practice. All right, let's go over quickly because again, there's a lot here and it's a lot of content. And I just want to kind of give you a bare bones knowledge of what is open relationships, what is ethical non-monogamy. So common types of ethical non-monogamy and polyamory are hierarchical polyamory, meaning Folks in a coupling consider themselves primary and one another's highest priority. So they are at the top of this hierarchy. Anyone else that they date is going to be secondary, tertiary. You know, they're going to be kind of at a, at a lesser level than their primary, than the person that they hold in highest priority. Another kind of variant sometimes of hierarchical polyamory is just identifying in an open relationship. Oftentimes open relationships are more broad and it can mean a lot of different things, but uh, usually it's also kind of a hierarchical polyamorous dynamic where it's an, a primary couple opening up their relationship to other either sexual adventures, romantic adventures, connections, casual, intimate relationships. It's a broad term because the scope of what kind of relationships can occur is also broad. There are a couple different formations of relationships that are pretty common. A V, like the letter V, has three points, and uh, Vs in polyamorous relationship dynamics have three people. It is two folks who are dating one person person A is dating person B, person B is dating person C, but A and C are not dating. If A and C begin to date, that is called a triad or a triangle. I'm literally motioning with my hands and this is not a visual medium. What am I doing? All right. And a quad, uh, that is four points. Uh, it can either be two couples dating one another or four people dating, but not necessarily everyone dating one another, but it involves four people and four points. There are many different kind of setups and fun shapes that you can make. Sometimes folks just call the formation of 
the people that they're involved with a polycule because it resembles a molecule. But really, these dynamics can also all be different in the lines created between points. So some of the relationships could be open. Some of those folks could be identified as monogamous. Some of them could be closed where they are only dating the one person that they're connected to. So tons of different shapes, tons of different uh, configurations. And the beauty of ethical non-monogamy is you get to make that as you go. You design it. It's great. (laughs) All right. So relationship anarchy is another one. I won't say that this is the opposite of hierarchy, but it it feels that way is, is relationship anarchy is a relationship configuration in which there aren't hierarchies. There aren't as many um, set points of like, this person is my primary, this person is the my utmost priority. Oftentimes, anyone in let's say, if I am a relationship anarchist, anyone in my life is considered equal when it comes to like the level of respect I'm going to give them as anyone else. And that includes, say, my nesting partner who I live with and my uh, long distance partner who lives three states away, as well as my parents and my child and my sisters and, and my best friend. All of those relationships are important and are deserving of respect. And no one gets primary status or priority over another person. So yeah, so that's kind of what relationship anarchy anarchy is in a nutshell, though there is a lot to go into on that topic. And so there's a lot of layers to it. But in general, it's like the opposite of hierarchy. We're not that there's a lack of boundaries, because there's not everyone has boundaries. That's a that's the foundational in any relationship. Everyone has boundaries. But there aren't as many rules or strict structures. Alongside relationship anarchy is solo polyamory, which is often just kind of like someone who doesn't have a primary, who's dating maybe multiple people, maybe not, really doesn't matter, but someone who identifies as a solo polyamorist does not have one primary partner and doesn't have any interest in having a primary partner. They may also never have an interest in, say, having a wedding or a ceremony of attachment or commitment and may never move in with someone or have children with them and have no desire to. So oftentimes solo polyamorists will have multiple partners, but no one is higher or lower or lesser or more. And the response they give their partners is often distributed equitably. <laughs> I think that's how to say it. I don't know. I might get some feedback back on that. I, I have heard a lot of solo polyamorous define it differently. So oftentimes, if you don't know someone's dynamic and they identify in such a way, you can ask. And that's always the best way to find out what different folks consider. And that's why I always ask when people come onto the show, you know, what does polyamory mean to you? I always get a different answer. And I love the answers because again, it is different for everyone. Another common myth that I've heard is that polyamorous are a bunch of sex party going swingers. All right, let's get over some basic definitions again. Polyamory is about often loving romantic connections, intimate relationships, uh, people having multiple consensual committed relationships, right? Swinging is often more focused on sexual relationships and connections. 
Now, obviously, as most romantic relationships include sex, a lot of sexual relationships can start off casual and then become romantic. So it is a common story for people to start off as swingers and then maybe fall in love with a partner and start to explore polyamory. It's also common, though, for people to identify as polyamorous and then start to have casual sexual relationships with other people. So there's a great deal of overlap in that Venn diagram of swingers and polyamorous folks. But definition wise, the really, again, bare bones difference between the two groups is that polyamory is more love connection focused and swingers are more sex connection focused. But to speak to those sexy times, many people seem to think that us ethically non-monogamous folks are chock full of STIs at any given moment. And I would love to dispel that myth, particularly because um, not all of us are out having tons of risky anonymous sex. There is actually evidence to support the opposite. Most consciously non-monogamous folks get tested very regularly and use protective barriers for sexual activity, especially with new partners. More partners doesn't necessarily mean an elevated amount of risk. In this community, we like to use the term risk-aware sex instead of safe sex, because really the only safe, purely safe sex is masturbation, and even then you can hurt yourself. So instead, we like to say that all sex has an element of risk, whether that be an STI or pregnancy or even the emotional risk if someone has maybe sexual triggers or past trauma. Almost all sex has an element of risk, so we like to say as long as you are aware of those risks and that the reward of that sexual activity outweighs the risk in your mind, then you are having conscious risk-aware sex. For some people, that means using all of the protective barriers, you know, gloves, condoms, dental dams, the whole shebang. For some people, it just means talking about the last time you got tested, what your results were, and if you've had any new sexual partners between the last time you got tested and the day that you're talking. Risk-aware sex can be very safe if done properly and with trusted partners. Speaking of, another myth I'd like to dispel is just that polyamory is just cheating. It's not that poly folks cannot cheat. They absolutely can, and unfortunately, some do. Again, we're not that different from everyone else. A lot of folks cheat, and it is unfortunate. But cheating, by definition, is simply just going against the agreed-upon parameters of the relationship, right? So some something that your partner would feel betrayed by because you had agreed upon XYZ, and the person who is the cheating partner didn't do XYZ. Everyone's capable of it, and though, by definition, polyamorous is ethical non-monogamy, cheating is unethical non-monogamy. So the important element of polyamory is just that it's ethical and consensual and that people are openly, honestly communicating with one another. If someone in the relationship is doing something in a dishonest manner, they're directly going against everything that polyamory stands for. We are all about open communication. We're talking about our feelings and desires all the time. And not only are we trying to be honest with our partners, but we're really trying to foster this like community of being honest with ourselves. I think the reason that cheating is so prevalent and even expected at this point is because it's very difficult for all of us to learn to communicate our wants and our desires and like speak them out loud. It takes time, it takes practice, it takes so much practice. And polyamory is the practice that we need because polyamory is all about communication. Polyamorous people are constantly talking to each other. So, and they're like checking in with each other and seeing if things have changed because guess what? 
people change. So in general, I don't feel like society adequately encourages monogamous people or just any people in general to communicate openly with their partners about what they want and desire. People often feel very conflicted if they're attracted to someone else in a monogamous relationship. It's totally natural, yet we are told that we can't talk about it, that we have to repress those desires and bottle them up and try to pretend that they don't exist. Not being able to communicate is not healthy when it comes to any relationship. Alternatively, polyamorous folks are encouraged to talk about those feelings and express themselves to their partners. Myth number whatever, polyamory is too hard and it's just not possible to be successful. To that, I'd like to ask, is monogamy hard? If you answered yes, then maybe non-monogamy would be easier. Maybe it would actually be harder. Or maybe you're a human being and things like complex emotional relationships with other humans are hard. We don't think being polyamorous is any harder than being monogamous, but they do have different struggles. It's kind of like asking if peeling an apple is harder than peeling an orange. The answer often depends on, one, the person, two, the tools they have to their disposal, three, whether or not they even like apples or oranges, or fruit for that matter, and four, what are they used to peeling? If you've only eaten apples your entire life, an orange starts to look pretty damn intimidating. But is it better? Are apples better than oranges? It's all a personal choice and everyone has their preferences. For me, polyamory is better. For some of my friends, family members, exes, monogamy is better. There are plenty of people in the polyamorous community that I've come in contact with that are probably much better suited to being monogamous. No consensual relationship structure is superior to any other. It's all about where you feel comfortable and where you feel you're living your best life, right? Something to consider though, what does success mean to you? Does it just mean long? Does it just mean fulfilling, satisfied? Does it mean you're growing together mutually? Like, what does that mean to you? Because I will argue, length of a relationship does not mean success. Being in a abusive relationship for 20 years is not a more successful relationship than being in a healthy one for one year. Length is really not a determining factor. So I will pitch to all of you, think about what does a successful relationship mean? And what does success look like? between people to you. All right, next myth on the chopping block. Poly folks are either jealous wrecks or don't experience jealousy at all. All right, neither of these are necessarily true. Neither of them are necessarily false. Uh, it always depends on the person, but I do like to break down jealousy into three major factors insecurity, envy, and possessiveness. One is the fear that I will never be enough or good enough. One is always wanting more and thinking the grass is always greener on the other side. And one is treating one's partner as your property. This be mine culture that we live in. Not only are these naturally occurring emotions, they're highly encouraged by society. Society encourages you to consider your partner your property. It wants you to worry that you're not good enough and generally wants you to live in fear. Corporations make a lot of money off of it. In the poly community, we like to recognize these emotions as being completely valid. It is what you do with those emotions that determine if you're good or bad at being jealous. Do you go and smash the windshield of his or her car in with a bat like so many songs have told us is okay to do? Do you set all of their clothes on fire in the front yard like many movies have shown us is uh, quote unquote empowering? Do you have risky anonymous sex with the next person you meet to get back at them in spite, which is like the 
most overused plot device in every sitcom I've ever seen? Or do you have an open and honest dialogue with your partner about your fears and the things that you want out of life? Unfortunately, that makes for a lot less entertaining media, so it's not really modeled very often. It's not that the polyamorous folks in the community don't experience jealousy. We just practice working through it in a healthy manner. Doing this work is like exercising a muscle. The more work you do, the stronger you become. And once you exercise that jealousy muscle enough, you come to this happy place we like to call compersion. Compersion is a totally made up word that the polyamorous community has developed to mean joy or pleasure at your partner's joy and pleasure. Some folks like to say that it's the opposite of jealousy, but I think that it's more complicated than that. I do think you can experience both at the same time. It's something that you can experience naturally or work to practice to get after after exercising your jealousy muscles over time. For instance, if you've ever been happy for a friend or family member who just got a raise or is on a really wonderful vacation on a sunny beach, maybe you felt compersion. You felt joy to this other person's joy. You wanted them to succeed. You wanted them to be happy. And that gave you happiness and joy. If you also thought to yourself, wow, I hate that they're on a beach while it's literally 35 degrees here in my hometown. I'm talking about you Midwesterners, you know. Uh, But I'm so happy that they also get to experience that. Then you've experienced jealousy and compersion at the same time. And that's also very common. Next myth up, polyamory never works out. It is just a phase. All right, I'm here to tell you, it can work out. It most certainly can work out and has for many, many people. And it's not just a phase. I know people who've been successfully, I'm going to use that in like the most italicized word, because again, what the hell does successful mean? But I've known people who've been in successful polyamorous relationships for a few months. And I've known people who've been in successful polyamorous relationships for over 50 years. But I'd like to clarify the measure of success in a relationship is not length, it's quality, right? And it seems revolutionary to say, but a relationship can be successful and still end. We are not forced to be with someone until the day we die for a relationship to be deemed successful. Sometimes romantic relationships evolve into friendships, just as friendships can sometimes evolve into romantic relationships. If the romantic element of a relationship ends, does that mean that the relationship has failed? Of course not. People change over time, so relationships are going to change over time. Successful relationships are those in which people involved grow with one another through changes and try to make the lives of the people around them better. If that describes your romantic relationship or your friendships or even relationships with your family members, then those are successful relationships, no matter how long you've been with them. For myself, polyamory is part of my identity. Just like being bisexual doesn't stop and immediately turn into being heterosexual if I'm only with a male partner, I do not turn monogamous if I take a break from dating for a while. Polyamorous is who I am and it's part of who I always will be. I know that as I change in my relationships, my relationships may also change. And instead of spending time worrying about what that means, I try to welcome it. You know, change is a good thing. And as long as we in the polyamorous community can confront life and love with our arms open and welcoming of change and success, I think it can always work out. I'm going to spend the next part of this podcast telling you all of the what I wish I had known then comments that I have collected from my polyamorous community. 
I asked, you know, if you have been established in the community, even for a month, or if you've been here since the beginning, almost 15 years ago, what do you wish you could tell that person that you were in the beginning of your journey? Because I, I have so many things I would love to tell little, you know, 20 year old Lindsay when she started her first polyamorous relationship. But I had to go through it. I had to live all the bad things. I had to live all the good things. And those are the things that made me who I am today. But if I could go back and give her some advice, there's so many things I would love to say. So I wanted to know, what do you all have to say to your former self? What are the things that you wish you had known? And maybe if we could give those little bits of advice, whether they make sense for anyone else or not, like if we could share those, it might be some good insight for folks who are new to the community, who are interested in polyamory. So I'm just going to go through and read some of those comments because I think a lot of them had a lot of good insight to what I wish I had known then. I wish I had sought out community and other poly folks earlier. I wish I had listened to my partner when they told me, showed me who they were and what they were. I wish I had connected with and talked to other poly parents. I wish I had learned how to establish and communicate my boundary. I wish I had known how to navigate discretion. I wish I had known how valuable my time is so I don't say yes to everything. I wish I had known the ripple effect in the poly community. I wish I had known how to say no more often. I wish I had known the skill of processing anxiety and jealousy. I wish I had known not to try to fix people. I wish I'd known you don't get a huge say in who is involved with who. I wish I had advocated for myself better. I wish I had known that rules are bullshit. I wish I had never dated monogamous folks. I wish I had a name for polyamory back before I knew what it was. I wish I had known it wasn't a sin or wrong. I wish I had read the book sooner. I wish I had known I was attractive or capable of being seen as attractive to others. I wish I had known there was no quote-unquote one true way. I wish I had known that I was important. I wish I had known that polyamory was not shameful. I wish I had known that if you're shitty about exes, you're not cool. I wish I had known that partners should give you autonomy. I wish I could recognize the red flags and walk away from them sooner. I wish I could get comfortable with change and lean into that discomfort. I wish I had not settled out of desperation. I wish I had been selective about who I opened up to, but also opened up to more people. I wish I had known that jealousy and insecurity are normal. I wish I had been open to new experiences and learning as I go. I wish I had known not to get hung up on labels. I wish I had known that my polysaturation point was a certain number and not to take on any more after that. I wish I hadn't talked down my relationships to my primary partner to try to make them feel better. I wish I had known to ask if folks wanted advice or if they just wanted someone to listen to if they came to me with a problem. I wish I had learned to take and accept no better. I wish I had learned to reassess relationships. I wish I had learned that it's not a religion or a cult. I wish I had learned that even though polyamory is not swinging, that swinging is not bad and to not shit on swingers. I wish I had learned that poly folks are no more likely to get STIs than monogamous folks. I wish I had learned that it's okay to be single and not date multiple people. I wish I had learned more about configurations than just triads. I wish I had learned how to flirt. I wish I had learned to not be offended if people don't want to be your poly guide. I wish I had learned to let folks do their own emotional labor. I wish I had learned that there's more than one way to be polyamorous and that hierarchy is not the only way. I wish I had learned I needed to unpack a lot of relationship and personal issues before trying to embark on being strong enough 
to learn how to juggle multiple relationships. I wish I had learned that figuring out what works for you and your partner is an ongoing process and that your initial ideas about it can change and evolve. I wish I had learned that you can't manage someone else's jealousy or discomfort, no matter how perfect your own behavior might be. So let's set some expectations for a future polyamorous relationship. If you're not already in one, expectation number one, communication. You're going to be doing a lot of it. I'm not going to lie. You're going to want to check in with your partner. You're going to want to talk to them about how you're feeling, about where you are, and what page you're on so that both of you can be on the same one. It's going to be a lot and you might get sick of it. You might talk your throat closed. You might talk all night and realize that shit, you shouldn't talk when you're tired because you say stupid things and have no filter. You're probably going to make some mistakes when it comes to communication and maybe overshare or undershare when it's not appropriate or is entirely appropriate. (laughs) So communication. Yeah. Expect to communicate with your partners. Expectation number two, uh, check in with them. I know that's part of communication, but also sometimes it can be wordless. Sometimes checking in with a partner is motioning to them at a social event and, you know, giving them a good head nod and saying, hey, how are you doing? What's going on over there? From across the room, if you're that type of couple, you can communicate a lot of things with just your eyes or some body language. So check in with your partner regularly and as much as possible. You know, make sure they're doing okay. Make sure that you're doing okay. Check in with yourself. Journal. Write. Talk. Talk to a therapist. Talk to a counselor. Talk to friends. Talk to other poly people and get support. Ask for advice. Check in as much as possible. Expectation number three, it will not be a instant fix for a failing relationship. If you're having trouble in your monogamous relationship, adding more people is not the way to go. You actually should probably be as secure in your relationship as you've ever been before opening it up to more people. You should be in a place in your relationship, if you are in a relationship at all, where you feel really good about your place in the relationship, about your partnerships, and about the things that are really important to you and know what those are before you open up your relationships to more people, to more communication, to more possibilities, more opportunities, really. um, Know what you can take on and go after it. Absolutely. A hundred percent go after it, but know your limits. Sometimes some folks poly a saturation point is one, (laughs) you know, sometimes your only priority in a relationship should be yourself. Sometimes your primary needs to be you. So if you're having trouble in a relationship and you think that polyamory or opening it up is going to fix it, Let me just spoil the ending of that whole movie. Uh, It doesn't work. It's not going to work. I'm sorry. I I mean, it could work. I guess I shouldn't say never. But generally speaking, it's bad news. And it leads to a lot of heartache. And often, more than just the two people it began with. Add in a bunch more people and then a bunch more heartache. So, not an instant fix for a failing relationship. Expectation number four, uh, heartache and feelings. Just as it's really difficult for, say, teenagers or high schooler, new college age folks to start dating, get inundated with all of these feelings, these really big feelings, and they start 
having NRE. Uh, that's new relationship energy. We like to say NRE in the community because it's so common. And that they're just such high intoxicating feelings. And you're going through so much. A lot of people who are new in the community just have so much feeling and just go through so much and sometimes a lot all at once because you just dive right in and you just I want to date all the people all the time it's going to be so great and it's too much and it can really weigh on you. So anticipate a bit of heartache and anticipate a lot of feelings just with any relationship. If you're going to be entering into this relationship knowing it could one day end with monogamous folks you enter into a relationship knowing one day it could end and that's one person okay yeah this one person could be the best thing that ever happened to me could be the worst and i'm going into a relationship knowing one day i might feel heartache polyamorous people go through that time and time again and again and time again and and with more people you're entering into this unwritten contract of with the beginning of this relationship, there is the potential for it to end. With the beginning of this love, there is the potential for heartache. And it's way more likely to happen when you have more partners. So reconcile with those feelings, if that's even possible. Understand those feelings. Heartache will happen. Love will be lost sometimes. Love will not find a way sometimes. And you will have a lot of big feelings about it. Find a way to deal with those feelings in a productive way. Maybe figure out if figure out how you can deal with those feelings, right? Maybe it's talking to somebody, maybe it's working out, maybe it's doing art, maybe it's writing. But whatever your big feelings thing is, um, figure out how you can deal with those because you're going to have them. Expectation number five, evolving and growing as a human. So um, I don't want to be like polyamorous folks are all on this pedestal and we're all evolved beings and better than everyone else. I'm not saying that at all. We have so much bullshit and it is an unprecedented amount of bullshit sometimes. So I'm not going to say that we are evolved human beings. We're not. But you will be evolving in this journey. You will grow as a human the more you communicate with your partners and other people in the community and the more you learn and the more you read and the more that you listen and hear experiences. You will grow. So know that. Expect that. You will evolve and grow and you will change. Sometimes change is scary, but it's okay. And it will be okay. And the last expectation on this little list of mine is love and joy. NRE and ERE, otherwise known as new relationship energy and established relationship energy. So established relationship energy and, and new relationship energy are variations on the same good feeling, good vibes. New relationship energy is that like cocaine induced just crazed love that can be sometimes a little dangerous, sometimes a little ooh off the rails, but it calms down sometimes immediately, sometimes after two years, but it calms down eventually and it transforms into ERE, established relationship energy, which is that satisfied, cozy, you know, fluffy socks sitting next to candlelight kind of thing. I don't know. It's that satisfied feeling. It's the warm baked bread, um, cozy up on the couch feeling. It's cuddles and love that is lasting, that you can trust and believe in. It's not high paced, fast action passion, but 
uh, it can still include a few of those things sometimes, depending on how creative you get. It's just a little bit more um, calm and just satisfying, lovely. So expect those things. Expect love and joy. Expect that things might get a little off the rails sometimes. Expect that new relationship energy, which again can last up to 18 months, can make you feel absolutely batshit crazy so be careful please be careful and don't you know sign paperwork or get married or do anything that will last the rest of your life in the beginning of a relationship because you're not yourself because you're not dealing with the same brain waves as you normally are you are on a drug and that drug is called nre so be careful so in closing, I hope this was helpful to you folks that uh, are interested in polyamory or are very new to the concept and wanting to learn more. I hope that if you are new to the community or the world of polyamory, that this helped dispel some myths about all of this that we do and answered some questions that you might have. I hope that the content of this episode was enlightening and gave you some basic knowledge and realistic expectations about polyamory and i hope it gave you a view into the future or some advice or support that you are on the right path whatever the one is you choose so again i've been lindsay miller and i'm so happy that you have come and listened to me today as i go through the things that i have encountered and the things that I have had to explain time and time again in this little poly journey of mine. So I hope you enjoyed our what I wish I had known comments. And I hope I could have helped with some expectation setting as you enter into this little journey. I love talking to y'all. And even though I'm in my living room talking to myself right now, I can feel you listening to me and it's nice and I love you. Okay, bye. <laughs> And that is it from us at Polyamory Uncensored. We have been Lindsay Miller and Katie Williams. We'd like to thank podcast husband Rob for being our sound engineer. And thank you, Lindsay, for editing this podcast so that we sound smart. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Polyamory Uncensored. Contact us at polyamoryuncensored at gmail.com if you have a listener question or a comment. And if you'd like to support us at all, you can send us a monthly contribution at anchor.fm slash polyamoryuncensored and simply click on the support this podcast button. If you'd like to support the podcast with a one-time contribution, we've set up a PayPal link to make it super easy. Thank you for your support in any amount at paypal.me slash polyamoryuncensored. We hope you have enjoyed this episode and remember, we love you. Bye. Bye.